a broke single mom who'd been fired from Denny's go on to become America's most sought-after real estate investor. Hold on to your seats as you are about to go on a wild ride that results in you being a superstar. Dwan Twyberg, a.k.a. Wonderful, is about to blow your mind. The most wonderful real estate podcast ever promises to be your go-to podcast for everything that life has to offer. You are entering the Wonderful Zone. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. I'm your host, Dwan Benton Twyford. I'm America's most sought after real estate investor. And as you can see today, I have a guest. So I have a wicked smart man. And his name is Ross Hamilton. And we are going to find out what Ross is all about here in just a minute. But just real quick, our motto at Dwanderful is people before profits. So if that's something that resonates with you and you like that and you're in the real estate investing business, I'm your girl. You can also opt in at Dwanderful, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. I took Dwan and Wonderful and I made a new word, Dwanderful. I'll send you a free ebook, how to flip your way to a fortune and talk to you about how to wholesale and flip houses. So that's my deal. So Ross, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, and I love your your wonderful aspect and how you put people first. As a real estate investor, that that is not only good to do, but it pays dividends over time. Uh, so, you have to put people first to build your network and to and to do the right thing because there's a lot of opportunity to be bad in real estate, and the good people always survive. Now that I've been in it for 20 plus years, I've seen that. No, no, I see you are, but you know, and you know that but a lot of people are new and they're like, oh, I just want to make a bunch of money. It's like, yeah, but in my case, I'm buying houses or building some people in distress. So yeah, obviously <clears throat> I do want to make a bunch of money, but I, it's got to be good for them too, because I don't want them to walk away and go, oh yeah, Dwan made all the money and I didn't get anything and real estate investors suck because that's, you know, it's, this needs to be a win-win business that we're in. If you've been yeah, here for 20 a, years, you know that. It's a fine balance. Um, but a reputation in real estate is a very powerful thing that will make you a lot more money than just an extra few grand here or there. So yeah. it's really good that your your whole podcast and brand is is based around that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love it too. It's like, ah, that's my thing. I'm a, I mean, obviously, you know, we all want to make money, but I care about the people too. Okay, so. Uh, when we have on our guests, and it's a man, we you are today's wicked smart man. So I've got some questions, and I'm just going to ask you some fun questions. We're just casual around here. And then at the end, I kind of take some notes, and I do a little summary. And this session uh, is basically called Inside the Minds of Today's Millionaires. So we just want to kind of find out, like, what makes you tick? And hopefully someone listening can pick up a little nugget and go, oh, you know what? That's the thing I've been missing or that's or, or that was the piece I needed to hear. So we're going to really talk more about you than specifically about what you do. Because, you know, people that like you will go and check you out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will make sure that that everything I say has golden nuggets sprinkled throughout it. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons, some the hard way, some the easy way. And I love sharing that information with people. All right. So we start off, we have a toast. Uh, everyone that listens knows we do drinks with Dwan. So <laughs> all of you listening, welcome. And to you, cheers. Cheers. Water, my exciting water today. Hydration is important. It is. <laughs> and everybody, take a deep breath. Like shake out, you know, whatever you got going yeah. on. And just tune in. And hang out with me and Ross a little bit. And I guarantee you that you'll have some fun, you'll laugh, and you'll learn some cool stuff. So, Ross, we're just going to throw you straight to the deep end. So, what I first <laughs> want you to do is tell us who you are and in like a sentence or two, what you do and how we can reach you. And then we're going to ask questions and find out how you came to be, Ross, who was on the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. So, we want to know what's your deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I started out my career as a BMX rider, 
the semi-pro. I trained and rode uh, with BMX, people like, uh, motocross. Yeah, people. Uh, no, bikes. Little kid bikes where they oh. do all the crazy flips. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. BMX. I was like, wait, is that motocross? Because my son was a motocross racer. The oh, nice. Bike. Yeah. Okay, got you. The bike. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. So I started there and I had some great uh, people I rode with every day. I rode with Dave Mira and Ryan Nyquist. They were like the Tony Hawk of yeah. BMX. And I was doing really well in BMX until I had a really bad injury that put me out. And life kind of got shaken up a little bit. And I had to figure out what I wanted to do. I took the first job I could, which was actually, uh, I'm not exaggerating here. My job title was dumpster diver. <laughs> I would. <laughs> ah, dumpster diver. Oh my yeah. God. So it's not rags to riches, maybe dumpsters to diamonds or something. I'm not quite sure. Ah, but, dumpster diver. So you had yeah. to, like, I have to just, we have to pause for a second. So you like went into dumpsters. Yeah. Yeah. I actually. You have to give so, us a of what that means. Yeah. I had to. My whole life, whose job was dumpster diver. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get in a box truck, which I had to hotwire to start. Because it was a really old truck, so I learned how to hotwire things like that. Drive around to the uh, to certain dumpsters around town that were behind carpet stores, and I would jump in the dumpsters and I would pull out the scrap pad. So I'm sure you've done a rehab where you've pulled the scrap pad out, the stuff under yeah. the carpet. It is just filled with all of the everything that ever spilled for yeah. 40 years, right? The most disgusting part of flooring. And I would have to pick all of this up and shove it into a box truck and drive it back to a warehouse where I had to then take it out of the box truck and put it in a baler. Oh now, these balers God. would come down and they can crush a car. This baler had no safety equipment. It was actually disabled. And I had to hold my hand in there until it got almost close to crushing and then take my hand out Jay. to get a proper bail. Okay, whatever that, you paid for that, it was not enough. It was not enough. After that, I had to use a forklift <laughs> to stack these bales and the forklift didn't have any brakes. Oh my so gosh. The way I would stop is I would slam it into reverse, which, uh, which caused all sorts of problems. Oh. But anyway, I was a, I was a dumpster diver. That wow. was, that was my life for a little while. I mean, I know that's a terrible, crappy job, but that's hilarious. I mean, oh my gosh, I, oh, all the danger, whatever it was, it was not enough payment. How old are you right now, Ross? I just turned 41. 41. Okay. So go ahead and tell us uh, what you yeah. do now because dumpster, dumpster diver is fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I had a point when I was dumpster diving where I'm like, Ross, you're made for more than this, right? I just kind of, I kind of cracked. I had yep. one of those moments where I just had this feeling inside that I was destined for more than dumpster diving. Um, so one day after dumpster diving, I drove straight to Barnes and Noble, a bookstore. Remember those? Yeah, I love. I, just, I love Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and I just started reading books on finance. Now I'd go in there smelling like a dumpster, sipping on their free water, and I treated Barnes and Noble like a library because I couldn't afford the books. Yeah. So yeah. I would read books, take notes, go back go back to that page, pick back up. And I just read books and I realized that more millionaires are made through real estate than any other profession. Yeah. So I wasn't the smartest individual, but I like to play the odds. So I decided to uh, to jump into real estate and in a relatively short period of time, we can deconstruct this if you want to go that way. Before Wait, well, I was part 20 of just want to find out like, the what you actually do and how to get a hold of you because I it's really easy oh yeah talking and then at the very end go oh wait we don't have your contact info yeah I always want to make sure you're on the top of the show notes no that's that's great so to fast forward and then we'll rewind yeah I built and sold the company questions to rewind us yeah I built and sold the company recently to First American um, for upwards of eighty million plus um, I've been a very successful real estate investor. I bought 176 properties last year. I built out connectedinvestors.com, which is a social network of nearly 2 million real estate investors. Privatelenders.com, which allows anyone to meet up with a private non-bank lender to fund their deals. So I've had a lot of success in real estate and in tech, and specifically real estate tech. So all the companies I mentioned, privatelenders.com, connectedinvestors.com, I don't own those anymore. But they're phenomenal companies 
with backed by a Fortune 100 eight billion dollar company that is just pouring money into it. So if you're not part of Connected Investors or you were a long time ago and haven't checked it out, definitely check that out. What I currently do is I moved into kind of the nonprofit world, and I oh, moved all, right. all of yeah, I moved all of my influence, time, money, and my central focus into kind of the affordable housing side of real estate because real estate is the number one way to become a millionaire, but it's also the number one way out of poverty in America. So I'm taking my influence and my focus and my tech background, and we're doing some really great things there. My website is called savinghomes.org, savinghomes.org. And um, really, because I sold my company, I'm not allowed for a while to sell real estate information anymore, but I can still, I can still give it all away. So if you're, uh, yeah, if you're, if your listeners just email me, I'll send them the old course I used to sell for thousands of dollars, a few of my books, my planners. I just have a gift bag of value that I'd love to give nice. your members. Uh, nice. and have, where nothing do they to sell. Just, for that? Yeah. Just, just shoot me an email. It's Ross, R-O-S-S at successcap.com. Ross at successcap.com. Uh, and you can just, you know, you don't have to write me an email. You can just say, send me stuff and I'll just, I'll, I'll send you all the stuff. If you have questions though, um, I see all I those emails. So stuff. yeah, yeah. Get, get my stuff. Say, hey, send me stuff. Yeah. Successcap.com. That sounds fun. But that is really, I can tell you what an interesting journey from. <laughs> so if you're 41 now, so you were like 20 when you got, I bought my first house. To, how old were yeah, you? I bought my first house at 18, 19. Like right around investor house or house like for you to live in first investment property at 18. I bought an investment property before I bought a, a primary residence. Every house is an investment, even the one you live in. No, they so, all, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really great though. 18, like gosh, darn you were really, you were seriously ahead of the curve to be thinking like that at 18 years old. Yes, it was. Well, what I did at a young age after I had nothing I found the most successful people I could find and I asked them all the same question. This was before social media. So I had to read the newspaper, you know, oh, yeah, build too. relationships with people. Yeah, me too. And the question I asked is if you were my age and I was roughly 18, 19, something like that, uh, what would you do knowing what you know? And two people gave me the same answer. They said, buy real estate and travel. Oh. So that's what I did. I started to buy real estate and I was doing the four hour work week thing before it was a book. Um, I used to travel every year. I'd backpack for at least a month or two while I was building my real estate business. So that kind of helped me become efficient and create automation and helped me get really good at building teams. Yeah. Because I couldn't be there to do things. So it's kind of a cool exercise to take a month away from your business and see what crumbles. And then and that will tell you what you need to fix. If you can't take a month away from your business uh, without it falling, um, then you then you have a problem. And if it's not growing, you have a job. You don't have a business. You need to be able to step away from your business. So it wasn't like I was thinking about that. I was just wanted to make sure I got traveling in young. And uh, yeah, it, it was an absolute blast. I still love to travel. I wish I would have started real estate and traveling at 18. It's like, gosh darn, I could have got so many good years in of just traveling around. Because, you know, you got to do it while you're young, while you feel like it, while you can carry all the backpacks. and <laughs> Stay in hostels. <laughs> yeah. I never did robbed. that. I, you know, I traveled yeah. in Europe a couple of times backpacking, but I thought, I, was like, mm, I don't know. I, I, I still have to have a hotel. I still, yeah. I'm still a hotel girl. <laughs> there you go. There you go. In, in, in the big picture. But I've always wanted to stay at a hostel, like to see what it's like. But then I get there, I'm like, mm, now nah, I'm just going to go get a hotel. So that's my thing. Yeah. Like, my kids will like sleep anywhere, stay anywhere. I'm just like, yeah, I somewhere from like right out of the gate, miss that whole, I just want to be fancier. <laughs> hey, that's all right. But that's so exciting that you did. So these um, companies that you sold, the first one you said, it's a, uh, so it's privatelender.com and corrected, connected. Mm-hmm investors.com. Those are owned by somebody else. What does connected investors do? 
So connected investors is essentially. I know you sold it, but like it sounds like people should know what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially a social networking platform for real estate investors that has a marketplace tied into it and a network of private lenders. So you can go there and you can connect with other local real estate investors and you can find investment properties for sale and you can find funding and you can sell your properties. So it was kind of an all-in-one marketplace social network uh, for for real estate investors and cuts through all the clutter of Facebook and LinkedIn. People have got very good at just scamming uh, you and wasting your time. They scam you to death, don't they? It's like, oh my God, every single day, it's like, for the love of God, stop it. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, I get so many messages all the time. It's like, just please leave me alone. <laughs> really goes. Okay. So I want to, so let's, let's back up a little bit. So you're 41 now. So when you were like 14, 15, 13, like where was that Ross living? And what was that like teenage puberty kind of guy? What were you doing? And what were you thinking about back then? Um, You know, I got into riding bikes pretty young. So for as long as I can remember, I was training and competing on BMX bikes. And I learned a lot from that. Uh, When you're doing an extreme sport, you have to manage risk. Every trick is there's some risk associated with that. And that translated really well to business. Uh, Also, just the people that I rode with were my friends. And then in competitions, they were the competitors. Right. So but these are the guys on the bikes are like going down the rocks and well, I do that, that now. I do that now. But back in the day I did BMX, so just big ramps. Just the big ramps. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the, the big vert ramps. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. box jumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. My when so, my son uh wrote, did motocross, I was just like, I'd go to those races. I'm like, oh Lord, I just can't I can't watch all of them. I, I would not want to be a mother of someone. Yeah, I would not want to be a mother of someone that does extreme sports. No. He did Every it day you got to hold He got sponsored for a while. I was like, you know what? He loves it. He's good at it. Let him go. But I'm telling you, it would be like, okay, we're going to go to the races today. I need a Xanax and a glass of wine. It's like, <laughs> go there and not have a heart attack today. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I do not recommend. Do you have any kids? I have one six-year-old little girl. And when she wants to get into extreme sports, you're going to be like, go daddy's little girl. Well, she likes uh, riding horses. So that's, that's kind of an extreme sport. Yeah, it is. Um, we ride, we do ride dirt bikes together. Like uh, we play around a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. She'll be like, dad, I got a bike. Let's do BMA. You'll be like, uh, no. <laughs> It'll be fun for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I've got all my grandkids on dirt bike on uh, little four wheelers right now. Oh yeah, so stinking cute. They're just like riding around, putting around. I just think they're like, you know, they're just so busy right now. So, um, and where were you raised? I was raised in New York, and moved to North Carolina when I was like thirteen or fourteen. So you were BMXing in uh, Carolinas and in New York. More in the car, more in the Carolinas than in in New York. But in New York, I started. Um, and then in the Carolinas, I, that's all I did. Nice. But you know what though? I always, my kids were always uh, into things like that. And I was always other parents. Oh, you know, it's so dangerous that, you know what though, but kids that are into sports like that, they don't have time for drugs and parties and they don't have time for all that. And they can't come in hungover and go race or do something because they got to be on the top of their game. So I was like, you know what? I'd rather have my kids out there riding and jumping and we have a three acre dirt bike track on our property and i'd rather oh, nice. that yeah i mean my grandkids are just like yeah the track's so big for them um but i think i'd rather have my kids doing that because they stay out of trouble absolutely you find that? yeah because yeah, like you got to be in shape you got to take care of yourself you got to eat right you can't be like coming in all hung over and going and, and racing and doing flips and doing stuff like that so i i don't know i was always like ah, i'm gonna let them do it because it keeps them out i feel like it keeps them out of trouble it does. I mean, having too much time is not good. Um, too much, yeah, too much time, too much money. That's a recipe for, for disaster at a young age. <laughs> it is. It's a recipe for disaster yeah. at any age, I think, but especially yeah. when you're young. So now you are into, uh, so I love the thing about affordable housing. So yeah. livinghomes.org. 
Um, yeah. So tell me what that is, because I, I already love it. I don't know what it is, but I already love it. Yeah. So essentially, you know, I made my first million, maybe similar to you, knocking on the doors of people that were in pre-foreclosure mm-hmm. and helping them out of their situation in one way or another Yep. through help, maybe helping them find a house or buying their house from them. Um, there were so many different types of deals that we did with people and it was all based off their situation and, and their needs. And I would be 23 or four sitting down with a 40 year old who with kids and a messy kitchen negotiate, you know, buying their house from them, yeah. pretending like I had a, um, <laughs> I, pre- I pretended like I had a boss named Dr. Elliot. Oh my God. Because I had poser syndrome. Right. I didn't think people would take me seriously because I was so young. Yeah. And I always looked even younger than I was. You look so, so young like, now. I mean, you could pass for 30s all day. Yeah. So in your 20s, they're like, this kid's 15. Right. Yeah, so I know. I know. I had this uh this guy, Dr. Elliot, who I was gathering the information and bringing it back to him. But what that did for me, and a good little golden nugget here, is it allowed me not to have to think I had all the answers all the time. I can just have a conversation with someone and then I can say, I'm going to get back to you on that. Um, and then I would go to my mentors and my friends and be like, Hey, what should I do about this? And they would give me some answers. And then I would go back to the individual. But so often people don't start investing in real estate because they think they have to know everything first, but you okay. only have to know the next step, you know? And it's just that, like when I would train, I, I've done Ironman triathlons and stuff and many marathons. And whenever I was running a marathon, I wasn't running, you know, 26 miles. I was running to the next telephone pole. Yeah. And that was it. And that, that's with the real estate. So don't think you have to know everything. Um, it's good to have a little network of people that have, have done deals and will answer some little mini questions for you. Yeah. The questions that people don't like, People come to me all the time, Ross, how can I invest in real estate? I'm like, "Uh, okay, Um, let's do a seminar real quick, right? But if someone asks a specific question, like, hey, I talked to this seller, they want this price, I can only afford to pay this much. What are some options that you would would give? Or how would you work? If you give me a specific question, I like answering specific questions. I don't like the big vague questions. My my answer is probably not right because the answer is different for everyone. You know, it is. I agree. I I like the specific questions too because when they're really vague, it's like no matter what you say, you know, they're oh. just going to walk off and they're never going to do it anyway. If, you know, and they're just like, yeah. I don't want to start. Oh, but like, to get back to the. Okay, so let's talk about because yeah. I like how you got to. So to I get, get you were talking about to get back to saving homes. Out. You had Doctor uh, Elliot as yeah. your fake boss. That's brilliant, by the way. So, um, my fake boss, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's Supposedly. so. Yeah, that's a good tip to give people. That's brilliant because then you don't feel the pressure of of the whole deal and the whole situation. Yes. Okay, so Dr. Elliot helps you get your deals closed. You're doing deals. You make these, build these great websites and do stuff. Yeah, now you're exactly, saving, exactly. You're saving homes. And is this, yeah. are you helping people in trouble? Are you helping people find houses? Yes. So the, the answer to that is, is yes. But so I always wanted to be able to help those people. So after I, I made all my money in real estate and in tech, um, I decided to create a nonprofit that helps uh, specifically single parents that are losing their house to specifically foreclosure, but even eviction. And it helps them not get taken advantage of by real estate investors yeah. to get the most for their for their property, to buy them some time to figure some things out. Because if you're a single parent, you got a kid, you probably have a dog. Like if you if an investor comes in and gives you 50 grand, the investor feels good. I've been that investor but you can't get a place to rent because you have horrible credit and a dog. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to yeah. move in with a friend. Yeah. Like there's really no options. So we're going to come in and help those individuals financially. And also we're going to help guide them through the real estate process, kind of knowing all the inside tricks. And there and there's a time for investors to be part of this 
as yeah. well, because we do need investors, but we need to make sure that it's done in, in an ethical way. Uh, so Saving Homes comes in and we give the people a 0% no interest loan to stop the foreclosure. So now the house's foreclosure is stopped. They, they don't have to pay us back um, any specific time, but once the house sells in the future, the money comes back to the charity so we can help someone else. So what I like about it is donations echo throughout time. Like you can donate $500 today and it can help a single mother of three today and in five years and 20 years and it keeps going. So I got really excited about this model because after selling, I just wanted to do really big, impactful things with great people that last for generations. So I was able to donate a significant amount of money into the charity and other people in my network are as well. So we have the base, we're building the platform because essentially what it is, it's like a GoFundMe for people that are either losing a house and in the next iteration of it, people that need to to buy a house. Because essentially there's been a huge wealth divide that is only talked about a little bit. If you owned a house prior to COVID, you, you woke up today and you are equity rich, right? Like you made hundreds of thousands of dollars, at least on paper. Um, if you didn't own a piece of real estate, you woke up and the rent was more and everything went up. Yeah. And now if you want to buy a house, they're more expensive and interest rates are higher and inventory is low because of Wall Street and just the big investment app, uh, activity. The government's not doing anything about it. Government affordable housing is affordable rentals, which keeps people renters forever and just feeds into the money machine. So we're helping with home ownership. But to me, the tip of the spear was to help people save the homes they were already in because that's probably the most affordable house. And we have innovative solutions. Like if someone just can't afford a payment, an investor might be able to come in and buy a percentage of that person's home. So maybe they buy 30% of the house and now the payment goes down 30%. So they own 70% of a house, which is better than 0%. Yeah, so no, I like this. I like it. We're trying to bring innovation into affordable housing. And it's, uh, you know, it's fun. It's brilliant, though. People just, I mean, so as a homeowner, because, you know, I still talk to homeowners in distress all the time. And uh, and people that own buildings and just all the things that I buy. Um, so how would someone find you? I, I mean, let's just say I talked to a homeowner this weekend. They were in yeah. trouble and they're like, hey, and whatever. How do they find you? And then how do you decide? Because you do, I'm assuming you're doing this nationwide. Um, this year, we're doing it in North Carolina. Okay. So right now you're doing it in North Carolina. And we are, we'll be branching out state by state once we have the right people to run each state. Because every state's a little bit different. Right. But with, with my old company, Connected Investors, at our core, we were a data company. Right. So I can find every single mother of three in North Carolina that's about to lose their house to foreclosure. And we will proactively reach out to them and, and help them. Out and try to find them. So you can just kind yeah. of go all the foreclosures or the bankruptcies or whatever records and like, hey, we have some solutions for all of you. Yeah, we can cross-reference those with the number of um, children in the house. And we prioritize the more people live in the house, the higher priority it is because we want to save homes. So if five people live in one house, it's one house, but five homes, right? Exactly. So we want to help as many people as possible. And really, a lot of people are like, Ross, you're going to help these people and they're going to fall back into foreclosure because, you know, habits are habits um, and it's really tough. But my answer to that is we'll keep them in their house for at least another year or two. And if that keeps a kid, in their middle school for a few more years, if it helps them stabilize a little bit and find a place, it's okay. Because if the house goes into foreclosure, which it's not going to if we're a part of it, um, saving homes will still get its money back or a portion yeah, of its so money Yeah, so you'll still make your money back that way. We just want to help them. Even if it's just a bridge for a few years, um, we just want to help these individuals. Then we do have aspirations to, uh, you know, to build homes and to do all that stuff. But the the first step is to get really, really good at this, create a machine that's running without me. Yeah. And uh, that's 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 why I'm on these podcasts, just to just to talk about this. And 
you know, what's great about running a nonprofit like this is everyone seems to want to help. In my oh, business people days, do. people do I want to help. I'd always be like, please introduce me to someone, help me, help me. But with the nonprofit, people are introducing me to people 10 levels up. They're they're donating, they're they're doing podcasts, they're sharing it on social. People in real estate want to help, probably especially your audience, because you lead yeah, with your heart. They do. Um, actually, the, uh, my shirt. <laughs> yeah. You pull up saving homes, savinghomes.org uh, while we're chatting, you'll see the logo is actually a heart. It's like a house with a shadow that looks like a heart. So it ties right in with your brand. See, there uh, you go. I got my heart. I have to send you some merch. As an investor, yeah. say I'm a real estate investor and uh, I want to help with you. So I donate like I would donate to a church. Yeah, like it's I a tax write an organization and I get my tax write off. I'm not going to make money back. Your company is going to make money back when the people move or sell or refinance or whatever they do. But at, from my point of view, I'm just like, here you go. Here's 10 grand and I have a tax write-off. Yeah, you have, you have a tax write-off. And so that's only really five grand, right? But the cool thing that I didn't, there was a few things I didn't realize when I started this. Number one, let's say your uncle was going to foreclosure. Yeah. If he came to you and said, I need 15 grand. And if you gave him 15 grand, you can't write that off with your taxes. It's a gift. Yeah, exactly. Now, he can go to saving homes and you can donate to him through saving homes and you can write it off. So that's huge just for families. Gosh, that is huge. And also, yeah. Yeah, let me know when you get to Colorado. I've got a whole mountain of people right now. My gosh, they could all use your help. Yeah. Um, And then the the banks. I didn't realize how much banks would want to give to this charity. If you think about it, it makes sense because they're giving to the charity. And then the money's going kind of back to the banks. Yeah, that's really good. So you get banks to donate with you guys. And then so, not necessarily the bank that the homeowner's in, just a bank. Yeah. And they donate money in. Yeah, that is really If, if yeah, Bank I'm, of America. Yeah, Bank of America donated 10 grand into us. It's, you know, it's going to, a portion of that will probably flow back in, um, back into them, help stabilize homes and families. And then we're doing, we're helping people get, get stable. So it's, um, yeah, it's really exciting. And like I said, this, the fact that it keeps growing and growing gets, um, gets me really, ex- gets me really excited. It, I know, it, you know, just hearing about it, like you have such a good heart for people. I really, that's one thing I really love about, uh, a lot, not all investors, but most investors is that we all really have truly a heart for people, whether it's helping a homeowner or like for me, I train, it's helping a new investor get started because, it's a great business. Real estate's a great business to be in, you know, and as an investor, you have like a whole network of other people. Like it's just a really, it's like a great club to be a part of. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day, you know, very wealthy. They probably make 350,000 a year. They don't invest in real estate and they were giving me all the excuses. And then I was just future casting with them. I'm like in 20 years, what does your life look like? And then we, we did it again with them owning 10 houses paid off. Yeah. And it was just monumentally better to yeah. have and own real estate. That's your retirement. Yeah. This person is in a cozy job, but they could be they can be fired any day. It's not working for the man, you know, like till you're retired anymore, because there's no man. It's like everyone, people just get, you know, people get canceled and all the stuff. It's like it's ridiculous. But you're right. I, I told my kids as we raised that, listen, y'all are going to buy rentals. You're going to own rentals. I don't care if you want to have them or not. You're going to have them because someday you're going to look up one day and go, wow, I'm 40 or 50 or 60 and be like, oh, I should listen to my parents when I was, you know, 18. Well, that was the reason I got into, um, the reason I got into real estate at such a young age is because I just wanted to ride my bike. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't, I need to get just a handful of properties and then I can ride my bike and travel forever. And that was a motivating factor for me at a young age. And the first, the second house I bought was right near the college. Oh, nice. I lived in the house and I had two garage apartments and I was making nearly a thousand dollars a month in college living at my house. I was financially free. Yeah. You know, $1,000 a month. My friends were flipping burgers. I was flipping houses. That's it. Yeah. It was a big, big difference. So if you're young watching the show, if you have kids, I mean, 
gosh, just get them into real estate young because yeah. it is being me starting young, being here today. Um, actually, you know what? I wrote a book, real estate investing in your twenties. Oh, if you, if you email me, yeah, I, if you email me, I'll send it to you. It's the Ross at success cap. Great book to give your, to give your kids. And this book is really interesting because I wrote it when I first started. So I was broke, a dumpster diver. And I just thought, Hey, I'm going to be, become a real estate millionaire. I better write this down. So I wrote this book during the journey, which is rare, but it's a very fun read. I would say for anyone in their twenties, you know, it starts off with me dumpster diving and even through real estate investing, I've wound up at the Playboy Mansion and it goes through all these crazy, crazy times. Um, I did some things I didn't realize were, were illegal. They weren't necessarily unethical, but I learned a lot of things the hard way. It's a really fun, fun, raw read. I did some um, stuff like that too when I was really new, like, you know, getting people loans and giving them a second mortgage and satisfying it at the closing and for years. And someone did, someone's like, you know, that's illegal. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's what my title person, how's that? How's that not legal? So I did a few things. I just literally didn't know. And I'd be getting in trouble. The judge was like, well, you know, lack of knowledge is not a reason to get off scot-free for stuff. But I did a lot of stuff that I just, Nobody told me, and I was like, everybody was doing it, and you see everybody else doing it. And the title company's okay with it, and you're like, okay, I can do this. And then you're like, oh shit. So <laughs> I've told yeah. people about a lot of stuff too. Like, listen, all these things, don't do that. But you yeah. don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, I found the people that if you're doing something, I don't know, people that were doing things on purpose that they knew were bad. Those are the only people I ever saw get in any trouble. And to be honest, they didn't even really get in any real trouble. You know, it's just kind of a slap on the wrist in, in a way, but, uh, but yeah, the biggest trouble that my partner and I ever, (laughs) ever got into was. Is this your real partner or is this Dr. Elliot? No, this is my real partner. (laughs) Um, was around bandit signs. No. I didn't know you couldn't just put them up everywhere. So my partner and I put hundreds of them up and then the town, the town didn't like that. Um, And we had to wind up. Yeah. It cost me a few grand. Um, They, they, they gave me some time to take them down and then any, I couldn't find, they find me on. Um, But then actually I learned one of the best tactics after that happened. So uh, I'll share this with you. So what I would do, and I would knock on the door of a proof of, if I was driving around and I saw a house that looked like it was an investment property, you know what yep. I'm talking about, long grass, no one lives there. I would put a sign in the yard. Yeah, that's what I do. I was just going to tell you, put them in the yards of the vacant houses. It would say, yeah. And what, what it would say was investor special. It's a property for sale, investor special and call. So people would call and I was building my cash buyer list. Yeah. I'd say, hey, I'm interested in that property. I'd say, oh, great. We're still working on some details. I'll give you a call back. And then inevitably I'd get the call from the homeowner. And I was able to turn it around. I'd say, oh, I'm so glad you called. I've been trying to get in touch with you. Do you want to sell that house? And I bought some of my best properties that way. So I couldn't find them. They called me. We became yeah. friends. And yeah. then I already had the buyer's list lined up. So it was... uh I already knew how much the buyers wanted to pay for the property yeah. a lot of times. So anyway, I turned a, a bad experience into, into a good one. And yeah. really, I think I read this the other day in one of the books I was reading. People judge a situation as good or bad, I think, too soon. Something happens and you're instantly like, this is bad, right? Yeah. You almost yeah, have to give yeah, yeah. something like three months at least before yeah. you can say, yes, that was bad. Yeah. Um you have to work in 90 day cycles. At least you got to try stuff. I've been putting yeah. signs in the yards for like a decade. So I tell my students, I'm like, listen, put them in the yards, in a vacant house. And if you're not a hundred percent, and you know, if there's stickers on the window, like, you know, for sure. And I said, and, and, but you know, and I tell people a lot of the homeowners will still drive by their house until it's all the way gone. And the bank forecloses and the new families move in. <clears throat> people will, will drive by and just look at their house and then they'll call you like screaming. And I'm always like, so this is what I do. I always say this, you have a sign in my yard. I'm like, 
what do you what what address are you calling about? So I write it down. I was like, you know what? Those stupid kids are always moving my signs. Is that that vacant house I noticed on the street? And then I just go into my spiel, say, since I have you on the phone, and I do the same thing. So, but I blame it on the kids first. I'm like, those stupid there kids always moving my signs. Kids <laughs> think that's fun. Do you know my signs all lost over those dumb kids? Where's your address? And then I I go into my spiel. So I, I use vacant vacant sign, bandit signs like you do because I have also. Uh, been pulled over as I was putting signs on telephone poles by a cop, like get that sign down. And then the cop left and I got back up with my truck and nailed it back up again. <laughs> and then he looped back around. He's like, if I come here again, I'm going to put you in jail. It's like, okay, taking yeah. my signs down. <laughs> taking my signs down. <laughs> That's just being, it's just being scrappy and resourceful. You know, Sorry. when I, when I started, I didn't have a marketing budget, but I had time. Yeah. So I would just drive around, knock on yeah. doors, put up signs yeah. Because one deal, like that's what sold me on real estate. Like one deal can completely change your life. Your whole life. One deal. One deal. One deal. My whole life. That one deal mm-hmm. I bought in college, uh, that college rental completely yeah. changed my, I made yeah. thousands of dollars on that and I just sold it like a month ago and made tons of money on it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did a 1031 on that and I bought my mother-in-law and father-in-law a house with that. Aww, so that's so great. Know, yeah. Yeah. It was, I actually did a reverse 1031, which I didn't know existed. So you can actually, instead of selling a house and buy a house, you can buy a house and then sell a house and still get the 1031. Um, I didn't know buddy, that. You can, okay. I'm going to write that down because now I have to research that. Yeah. Yeah. First American, the company that bought me told me about it. They, they do those. It costs it cost probably around five grand to do because you have to set up an entity. And there's a lot of like weird paperwork. Mm-hmm. But uh, the profits over half of that, I mean, it's a big, it's a game changer. Wow. I never heard about that. So thank you for teaching me that. When I learn anything, I'm always like, woohoo, I'm so excited. Okay, we're going to jump topics. Uh, tell me what's your favorite band of all time? Sweet. What is that? Is it? It's uh, it's Nirvana. Nirvana. Oh, I love Kurt Cobain. First, first time I ever listened to a song through a CD player with headphones was never mind, and it sounded so good. And now I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. And, I see the guitar um, in the background. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, though, going through, and I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 20 years older than you. So and I play a lot of that. When Nirvana came out, that kind of music, songs. it like, people like stopped to listen. It was amazing. He was fabulous. I love that. Nirvana, that's good. Yeah, it was just what I, I grew up with. So yeah, quite a quite a change. Yeah. No, my kids are in their late 30s. So they're probably a lot of the uh, same music that you listen to. But you know, I liked all the music all the way through. I, I like all the music my little grandkids listen to. I always love music. Um, what's your favorite food? My favorite food would be anything my mom cooks, I guess. You, you know, just, just kind of feels like feels like home. Um, yeah, she's, she's Italian, 100%. So I guess... You know, you mix some cheese, some pasta together, and uh, you got a winner no matter what way you make it. Italian food is so good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever eaten anything Italian that wasn't delicious. Yeah. And what is your favorite part of the day? Just throughout the day, what's your favorite part of the day? Um, you know, I would say, I would say the bookends, like just the the very beginning or the very end. I'm very intentional on how I spend that time. Um, I, I like the mornings when I can get them. Um, and then the late twilight hours are really fun. Just a lot of introspection time and setup time. I guess that's the only time I have like control of my day. Yeah. Right? No, I hear you. Um, yeah. You're the first person that's ever said the bookends. And that is really, I might start using that because I like the early morning, but I really like it at night too. It's like time to relax and everything's off and the phones are off. And so my husband's like, this is so great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The bookends. That is good. I like the mornings too. But sometimes, you know, for me anyway, my mornings can get so busy. Like today, before I talked to you, I already had to be with my VAs. I went and got a haircut up here in the mountains and came back to my house and took a shower and did my hair and did my makeup. It was like, 
I ain't been doing stuff since yeah. 6.30 this morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've had a busy day already. So, all right. So I'm just going to do a little tiny recap. So let's do it. Uh, so we'll just see if we learned a little bit about Ross Hamilton today. And, you know, like I said earlier, I like to ask just like questions like today, just talking and finding out about you. Because the people that are interested in what you like, they don't need to learn, have a seminar today. They just need to have some fun, listen, learn, and they'll look you up and they'll hook up with you. So uh, you started investing in your 20s, which I super love. You're 41 right now. You were uh, a BMX racer, which is so fun, and uh, bought your first property at 18, which is really astounding at 18 years old. You were a dumpster diver, which is so funny, with the, the padding and the carpet and the machines. And seriously, do you have all 10 fingers? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I all do. 10 fingers? Okay. And uh, I used to go to Barnes and Noble and read, which I can relate to because I used to do that in the beginning too. I didn't have the money. I was a single mom. So I went to, I spent so many hundreds of hours at Barnes and Noble, so many. And you're into affordable housing now. You have uh, privatelender.com you sold, connectedinvestors.com you sold. And you personally are now into helping people to have savinghomes.org. So all y'all that want to invest, I think, or donate, I'm... This yeah. is a great thing to donate to. Or if you want to volu- if you want to volunteer, we're starting to build our volunteer uh, staff. So you know, if you have a heart for that type of thing, um, it's a cool way to learn about real estate too. Yeah, because it's, it is. it's all real estate. It's it's essentially real estate investing without the profit. Um, and so you get to kind of learn the ins and outs. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great, amazing thing. Now, one thing I super love about your story is you had Dr. Elliot, who was like your fake boss or partner, so that, which is really brilliant. Because then you can sit and talk to people. And if they ask you a question you don't know, you'll say, hey, let me ask my boss and get back to you, which takes all the pressure off of you having to have the conversation that maybe you don't know quite enough to have the full conversation. So I, I tell people always just say, my partners and I will get back to you. But I'm going to have them start making up uh, <laughs> a boss's name. The whole, the whole name. That, yeah, well, in, like in a today's... whole thing. We have a whole story over here. It's brilliant. Yeah. But I, I could see where it would take the pressure off of any any new investor. If you make them a doctor, they can always not be available. Yeah, that's you know? it. Oh, uh, sorry, he's not available. Yeah. He's in surgery. He's uh, doing brain surgery today. <laughs> we'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I like your your um concept of what you're doing right now where you help homeowners out, you do inter- zero interest uh loans and uh sometimes you make the money back, you save their house, maybe don't maybe buy it from them, whatever you want to do. You're in North Carolina. You gotta spread that to the whole state because I know. Thousands, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousands of people that would this love year, to be a part of that. We'll be another in 2024. We'll be outside of North Carolina. I just, nice. I just wanted to kind of perfect the model in one state. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll just. And you like Nirvana? You like anything your mom cooks? But she's Italian, so you can't go wrong with that. And you like yep. the book? You like the morning? And you like the late hours? Is that like a yeah. edge of what's inside the mind of Ross Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a fun summary. That's a fun summary, right? So one more time, how do people reach you right now? Ross at successcap.com. Send me an email, ross at successcap.com. I'll send you my book that I talked about, some real estate courses, um, this guide that I created to essentially, it's a personal and financial transformation guide. It's like the questions to ask yourself. It's a 12, 12 month planner that you answer some questions and you can basically break down what to do and what your big roadblocks are. Um, yeah, I'll send it's all the stuff I used to sell for a lot of money. I just, I just give it away now. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have you send to me. I'm always interested in learning golden nuggets from other people. Yeah. Okay, so folks today, uh, Dan, you have a podcast, right? Do you have a podcast? I, um, I don't anymore. I you sold don't it. have a podcast. Okay. So uh, I was just going to say, if you had fun today, like both of our shows, but if you learned anything, you had a little fun today, give my show a five-star review, subscribe and follow the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. We have all kinds of fun guests and everyone is amazing and interesting and everyone shares their heart and everyone has a great story. And all the stories are the things that help you guys become successful because I especially love the fact that like you're like me, like trial and error. And that's a super fun way to do it. 
So dwanderful.com and then also uh, Ross at successcap.com. Okay, last things. I know you have, we have to let you go. Uh, I want you to leave us with a word of wisdom, but it's actually just a single word, like a word of wisdom. Oh, uh, momentum. Well, that's a good word. And tell me what momentum means to you. Well, it's important to, if you have momentum in your life or in your business, if a train has momentum, they can bust through a brick wall. But without it, a single brick can stop it from moving. So get moving and stay stay in motion. Guard guard that momentum as much as you can because it's uh the starts and stops are tough. Like just 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 keep pushing. You have your momentum, you have your goals, you're going to learn lessons. Yeah. That's where you grow. That growth becomes the fuel for your momentum. So um, momentum, once you lose it, it's hard to get restarted and, uh, you know, get up and get going. Don't, don't push anything until tomorrow. Uh, cause there's tomorrow never exists. So do something right. today, even if it's just shoot me an email so you can get all those free resources, like do something proactive every single day. I love it. So folks, that's your word of the week is momentum. And Ross just told you what momentum means to him. So again, I want to thank you for being on the show. I just super enjoyed getting to know you and talking to you. You're so much fun and you are brilliant. So I, I love that about you. And everybody else, thank you guys for tuning in. And remember, we'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And remember that the truth is in the red letters. Ciao. Thank you, Ross. Wow, wow, wow. How much fun did you just have? You listened to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Hey, do me a favor. If you love just one thing about the show, if you laugh, if you learn something, leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Don't forget, next week, same bat time, same bat channel.